thank everybody for joining us this morning bearing the cold weather. Debbie, thank you for our beautiful music and choir. Thank you all this morning. Um, so this morning, I've, I've got a long story to tell, and that being said, I'm going to jump right into it. So would you all please stand for the reading of God's Word? We're going to be reading from Judges chapter 9. We're going to be reading verses 8 through 15, and then we're going to go all the way back through Judges chapter 9. There might be some of it cut off, so just bear with me. It says in verse 8, One day the trees went out to anoint a king for themselves. They said to the olive trees, Be our king. But the olive tree responded, Should I give up my oil by which both gods and humans are honored to hold sway over the trees? So next the trees said to the fig tree, Come, be our king. But the fig tree replied, Should I give up my fruit so good and sweet to hold sway over the trees? Then the trees said to the vine, Come, be our king. But the vine answered, Should I give up my wine, which cheers both gods and humans to hold sway over the trees? So finally, all the trees said to the thorn bush, Come, be our king. The thorn bush said to the trees, If you really want to anoint me king over you, come and take refuge in my shade. But if not, then let fire come out of the thorn bush and consume the cedars of Lebanon. Would you please pray with me? Dear Lord, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for the very many blessings that you've given us, dear God. Just thank you for this message this morning. I pray that you let it sink into the hearts of our congregation, and I pray that you let your words flow through me and let your light shine for others, dear God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Y'all can be seated. Thank y'all. So... As many of you may know, and like I mentioned, we're going to be going all through Judges chapter 9, if y'all kind of want to uh, open up and read along. But as many of you know, our church held our first pulpit committee meeting on Tuesday night to begin searching for a new pastor for our church. This is a time where our church needs a lot of prayer and thoughts when making the right decision for whom we hire. But not only our church... This year, our country is going to be electing another president to lead us. This is also a place that needs a lot of prayer and thoughts. Now, before I go any further, I want to clarify that this sermon is not a reflection of any opinion of any previous pastors, any previous leaders, nor is it a negative reflection of any sort of selection process. I want this sermon to sincerely be an offering of a story from the Bible that tells us about leadership selection. I actually had stumbled across this scripture two weeks ago. One morning I had woke up, and I had been getting in a good routine to get up, go do a workout, and for whatever reason, I just felt sore. I was not feeling like going and working out this morning, and so I kind of thought to myself, well, I'm just going to open up the Bible and and read some scripture. So I don't know if y'all are like me in this, but sometimes I kind of have a direction on where I want to read, and I'm kind of thinking, okay, I want to learn about this topic and and whatnot. And then there's other times where I just think, hey, I'm just going to open it up to a random page and just see what God has in store for me. Well, this particular morning, um, it was a random time that I had just opened up to a random page to find this story, but now I understand why God led me to this. You see, this parable of the trees gives us a lot of good guidance 
in our leadership selection. This is not only applicable for our church, but for any leadership position. This could be mayor, city council, presidency, or any other type of leadership. Now, the parable itself gives good imagery of how these trees are searching for a leader and comes to a conclusion, but they obviously do not make the right decision. This parable has much more effect, though, when we learn about what was going on in the Bible when this parable was told. You see, Gideon, the Old Testament hero, who by God's help brought the Israelites out of the hands of the Midianites in Judges chapter 6 and 7, this parable is actually about one of Gideon's sons named Abimelech. Now, Abimelech was fathered by this mighty biblical hero, but his mother was a concubine or a slave. Gideon had 70 other sons besides Abimelech. And since Abimelech was the son of a concubine, he was toward the end of the line of heirs to rule over the Israelites upon Gideon's death. At this time, the Israelites really did not have a so-called king or ruler as they were led by God, but Abimelech took it upon himself to seek out a position of power. It says in Judges chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, Abimelech, the son of Jerubal, which this is Gideon, it, Jerubal, he earns this name in Judges chapter 6, but they are talking about Gideon. Abimelech, son of Gideon, went to his mother's brothers in Shechem and said to them and to all of his mother's clan, Ask all of the city citizens of Shechem, which is better for you, to have all 70 of Gideon's sons rule over you or just one man? Remember, I am your flesh and blood. When the brothers repeated this to the citizens of Shechem, they were inclined to follow Abimelech, for they said, he is related to us. Now, in today's time, this would be like getting rid of Congress, the Senate, and the Supreme Court, and just having one presidential ruler. So Abimelech goes to his mother's family, and he's trying to rise up against his brothers. He's trying to tempt them with a reminder that he is their flesh and blood. So he proclaims to them, let me lead you. Further in verses 4 through 6, it says, They gave him 70 shekels of silver from the temple of Baal-bareth, and Abimelech used it to hire reckless scoundrels who became his followers. He went to his father's home in Orphra and on one stone murdered his 70 brothers, all of the sons of Gideon except one by the name of Jotham. The youngest of uh, Gideon's sons was named Jotham. He escaped by hiding. Then all of the citizens of Shechem and Beth Milo gathered beside the great tree at the pillar in Shechem to crown Abimelech king. So, kind of stepping back from the scripture, the citizens of Shechem, they believe in Abimelech, but they only believe in him because he is their blood. They follow him to his father's city in Orphra, and no, this is not the city of Oprah, um, completely different origin city, but Abimelech takes them there and slaughters all of his brothers on one stone. And I want to point out the description that our Bible gives us about who he hired and who his followers were. These were reckless scoundrels. Now, maybe this might be a dumb question, but if your leader first hires reckless scoundrels, 
It's about time to turn and run the other direction and find another leader. But these people believed in him, which leads us back to our parable that we first read. In verse 7, it says that Jotham, the youngest son, youngest of Gideon's sons, climbed on Mount Gerasim and shouted, Listen to me, citizens of Shechem, so that God may listen to you. And he told the citizens of Shechem the parable of the trees. After Abimelech has murdered his brothers, this parable resounded to the city. Sorry. Jotham then asks the citizens who they have honored and acted in honor of in verse 20, and later curses them by saying, But if you have not acted in honor of my father's family, let fire come out from Abimelech and consume you, and let fire come out from you and consume Abimelech. You see, Jotham had told the parable just on the side of the thorn bush for the first imagery. But the second imagery he tells in the curse also fills the other half of the story. You see, the thorn bush is not only going to consume all of the citizens that are there following it, but the thorn bush is going to be consumed themselves. You see, the parable of the trees comes with a curse. If the thorn bush is chosen, fire will consume both. And in today's society, this may look like a bad manager will not only bankrupt the company, but will bankrupt themselves. A bad president will not only cause invasion in their country, but will cause impeachment of themselves. A bad leader does not just destroy their followers, but will destroy themselves as well. So now that we know a little bit about what's going on in the Bible and what's going on behind this parable, I kind of want to touch on some detailed points because there's a lot of good imagery here with the trees that are used. So you see, these trees had a few good candidates to start out with. They said first, hey, let's go to the olive tree. Everybody uses olive oil, why not? Let's see if he'll lead us. Next, let's go to the fig tree. Doesn't everybody love a good fig, Newton? Just me? maybe. <laughs> hey, let's go to the vine. You know, some people like drinking wine. But each of these fruit-bearing trees declined. You see, they chose to fulfill their God-created purpose instead of their desires to rule over others. And when we set aside our God-given gifts for leadership, we are led by our fleshly desires. Now, oil in the Old Testament was used almost as a symbolism for the Holy Spirit. They used oil in different ceremonies to consecrate kings and priests in hope that they would have a spirit-filled life. It says in Romans chapter 8, verses six, in verse 6, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is, by the, is, is life and peace. Sorry. When we allow our God-given talents to guide our life, we are governed by the Holy Spirit. This is why the olive tree declined the offer. Its oil was essential for God's purpose. Next, they go to the fig tree. And the, this fruit-bearing tree is similar to a lot of us as believers. You see, any believer can have the fruit of the Spirit if they so choose to live within it. It says in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, 
forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So like the fig tree, we must devote the fruits and the gifts that our God has given us, and we must utilize those to be a living sacrifice for Jesus. Excuse me. And next they go to the vine. And the vine should be our favorite one out of this story because it says in John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, the vine is there for our nourishment. The vine is our savior. But what if the vine chose otherwise? You see, this might be a preclude to the New Testament because in Matthew chapter 4, verse 9, when Jesus is in the wilderness, Satan is tempting him. In verse 9 it says, All of this I will give to you if you bow down and worship me. This was Satan's offer to the vine of our life just like the parable that Jotham has told on Mount Gerasim. Jesus was offered all of this, but he chose us instead. Jesus chose to fulfill his God-created purpose. And finally, we get to the thorn bush. The thorn bush has no fruit. It does not serve a purpose, but still has a desire to rule. I wanted to point out that in this parable, the thorn bush tells the trees, come, and take refuge in my shade. Now, don't know if this sounds odd to y'all, but a thorn bush does not have any shade. And really it says that it wants them to take refuge in it, but I don't think that anything can take refuge in a prickly thorn bush. But it has to say something enticing for the other trees to follow it. And I also wanted to point out, there's only one person that, ever felt safe in the thorns, and that was our Savior, Jesus Christ, who wore the crown of thorns for, the, for us on that cross. And so Abimelech was very similar to this thorn bush. He had to entice his family by a reminder that they are kin, not with a, uh, not with a great resume of his accomplishments, not with why he was the best uh, candidate for them, but simply an enticing line. And since there was no other options, and the city was so desperate for shade, they were willing to accept it from anywhere. We need to understand that our candidates can say all of the correct answers, but it's not just about their answer, it's about the substance behind the answer. In most math classes, some of y'all may have gotten frustrated like me in school, but you couldn't just simply write down the right answer. I could always get to the right answer, I felt like, but you had to show your steps and you had to show all of the steps you took to get to the correct answer to solve a math problem. And a lot of classes, they wouldn't give you any credit if you didn't show all of the steps and how you got there. And so I think we need to be the same way with our candidates in giving credit to not only the correct answer, but the process and how they got to that correct answer. Another indicator was the threat that the thorn bush had given. If not choosing me, 
Then let fire come out from the thorn bush and consume the cedars of Lebanon. You see, leadership should not be garnered on threats of malice. And yet, the choice was still made because there was no other option. The city of Shechem crowned Abimelech king in Judges 9, verses 22 through 24. And it tells us that Abimelech had ruled over Israel for three years. And finally, God had stirred up animosity between Abimelech and the citizens of Shechem, and they acted treacherously toward each other. In verses 25 through 49, and I won't go into specific detail about everything that happens, but there's basically a civil war that breaks out in the city of Shechem. And thousands were killed in this civil war. I do want to point out one specific part where it says in verses 46 through 49, on hearing that Abimelech had took over the city, took back over the city of Shechem and set it on fire, the citizens in the tower of Shechem went into the stronghold of the temple of El Bereth. When Abimelech heard that they had assembled there, he and all of his men went up on Mount Zalman. He took an axe and cut off some branches, which he lifted on his shoulders. He ordered all the men, quick, do what you have seen me do. So they piled all of the branches against the stronghold and set it on fire with the people inside. You see, the curse of the thorn bush was quite literal in the scripture. But I learned something that was very important about what Abimelech did here. I didn't realize this until I had done a little bit more research about the geography of this location. You see, the city of Shechem was located in a valley between two mountain ranges. One of the mountain ranges we heard earlier, Mount Gerasim, and the other was Mount Zalman. Many scholars believe that this was also known as Mount Ebal. So Mount Gerasim is to the south and Zalman to the north. And the reason that these two mountain ranges are important are because in Deuteronomy chapter 27, God gave Moses instructions to perform a ceremony of blessings and curses. After the law of Moses was written on the stone, he divided the tribes into two groups. Six tribes were to gather on Mount Gerasim, and six tribes were to gather on Mount Zalman. While the priests were to stand in the valley, which is where Shechem is located, and they were to hold the Ark of the Covenant. As the Levites read the blessings for obeying the laws, the six tribes on Mount Gerasim were to pronounce a resounding amen. When the Levites recited the curses for disobeying the laws, the other six tribes on Mount Salmon were to give a cry of amen. Thus meaning that Mount Gerasim was known as the Mount of Blessings, while Mount Zalman was known as the Mount of Curses. So back in our story and in the scripture, pop quiz, where did Jotham go to give the parable of the trees? He goes to Mount Gerasim, the Mount of Blessings. And in the scripture we just read about the stronghold, where does Abimelech go to get his wood and resources for treachery? On Mount Zalman the Mount of Curses. And so when we are having to analyze candidates, we need to understand where our leaders are going for their resources. Are they going in places of blessings 
or are they going in places of curses? Do they get their fix from the Bible, prayer, or worship, or is it alcohol, gossip, and greed? Now I'll cut to the ending of Abimelech's story. In verse 50 it says, Next Abimelech went to Thebes and besieged it and captured it. He was on this uncontrollable pride. He had to get all of this territory now that he was in control. So inside the city was a strong tower by which all the men and women had fled. They had locked themselves in and climbed up on the tower roof. Abimelech went to the tower and attacked it. But as he approached the entrance to the tower to set it on fire, a woman dropped a millstone on his head and cracked his skull. Hurriedly, he called to his armor bearer and he said, draw your sword and kill me so that they can't say a woman has killed me. A final show of pride. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 16, verse 5, the Lord detests all of the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. You see, pride is giving ourselves the credit for something that God has accomplished. And pride needs to be a top question on our scale of leadership. If one is too proud and has no humility, how are they ever to improve at their position? Do you want a stagnant leader that does not progress? Humility allows them to know when they are wrong and to improve on their situation. Leaders cannot have too much pride. And so finally, I want to conclude with a summary of the items from this story and this parable. First, a person's history does matter. We are to give people second chances, and the Bible tells us to forgive them 70 times 7 times. But for leadership, history still does need to be considered. Second, a candidate may have all the right answers, but is there any substance behind the answers? Can they actually back up the answers they have provided? Third, is their gifts aligned with leadership qualities? Or are they setting aside their gifts and their talents for government? Think of what the fruit trees in the parable would give up for governance. One of, those one of those trees in the parable was the vine, and Jesus said he is the vine. What if Jesus gave up his God-given purpose to rule? Fourth, who do they look to for advice? Is it reckless scoundrels, or is it scripture? Where do they go to for their resources? The Mount of Blessings or the Mount of Curses? They might have the right answer, but do their actions reflect this? And lastly, what is their pride like? Can they admit when they are wrong? Do they have areas for improvement and are willing to improve? These are all factors that have to be considered before the selection of a leader. And Jotham warns us of the curse that comes with choosing the thorn bush. And this scripture gives great imagery of that selection. Church, will you please stand with me? We're about to have a song of invitation. And as I mentioned, our church is actively searching for a pastor. So we do need all of the prayer, advice, and help that we can get in ensuring our selection. And not only that, our country is searching for a new leader. And we're going through an election process. And I want to challenge each of us with actively researching the individuals that are up for election. And 
Test them against this. Test them against other, um, other standards and just see which one you feel is the best candidate. There are many other leadership positions made every day, whether government, church, household, school, you name it. And I hope that this can be used for all of our selection processes in the future.